in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted. After that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also unbelieving you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Dr. John G. Mitchell often asked a question that is still inscribed on the library wall on the campus of Multnomah University. He asked it of every class and challenged every student with it. Don't you folks ever read your Bibles? It is quite evident that he did. Dr. Mitchell once forgot his Bible in his office when he arrived to teach a graduate-level class on the Minor Prophets. Without a pause, he quoted the scripture for the day word for word from memory. Dr. Mitchell knew his Bible. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. The Unchanging Word Bible broadcast continues in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14 with our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell. Welcome. We are grateful for each of you who are listening to the Unchanging Word. Now, in verses 11 through 14 of this first chapter of Ephesians, we find out the fourth thing that God has done through His Son. We are an inheritance for God and an inheritance from God. And Dr. Mitchell expounds on the meaning of this inheritance. Now, verse 14 tells us this inheritance is guaranteed by the Holy Spirit Himself until its future acquisition. And this promise is to those who have heard the word of truth and have believed the gospel of God's salvation, which He still provides in Jesus Christ. Have you accepted God's provision of salvation from sin through Jesus Christ? Well, let's join Dr. Mitchell here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. You know, it's a wonderful thing that you and I can spend a little time each day talking about our precious Savior and considering what He has revealed to us in the Word of God. Remember that God has communicated to us through His Word by words whereby you can know His will, you can know His way of salvation, you can the knowledge of how to become a child of the living God, to know how to be freed from the penalty, the burden of sin, to know how you can receive eternal life, to know how you can come into right relationship with the living God himself. I see it's a wonderful thing that God has communicated to us in his word, his program for today, whereby you and I can know him be in right relationship with him through Jesus Christ, his son. 
and to revel in all the wonderful grace of God which he has provided, then to live day by day in that intimacy of fellowship with him that's beyond the very kin of angels. My, what wonderful grace, what marvelous love. And yet so few people, comparatively speaking, so few people appreciate, even among his own people, how few really appreciate the wonders of his love and of his grace. And I just trust in this study of the book of Ephesians, the Lord will be talking to your heart as well as to your head. You know, I, I, I believe God has given us minds to use. But he's also given us hearts. He's given us uh, emotions. He's given us that whereby we can appreciate in our own selves something of the wonders of his love and of his grace. And as we go over these wonderful truths, we pray and we are continually praying that the Spirit of God will make it very real to you. It may be I'm talking to some who have no use for the Bible, and they scorn the Savior. And some, as a professor said, Ian Porter, not too long ago, a few weeks ago, he said, I didn't know anybody believed, anybody anymore believed in Jesus Christ and what he did way back yonder, 1900 years ago. Now we've come to a generation of, of boasted pseudo-intellectualism, intellectualism. And the philosophies of men have taken precedence over the precious word of God. But that's not going to affect God in, his, in the outworking of his purpose, in the outworking of his counsel and will. And this is what we're dealing with in the first chapter of Ephesians. God has a part in our redemption. We have that in verses 3 to 6. And the Son of God has a part in our redemption. That's from verse 7 down to verse 12. This is what we're dealing with. We've already taken up the fact, in Christ we have redemption. In him we have the forgiveness of every sin. And because of our union with him, he has brought us into fellowship with him and his purposes and his counsels. My, what grace to think that God should take you and me, not angelic beings. What do you mean angels don't know about this? That's correct. In 1 Peter chapter 1, we find where the angels desire to look into the things which are commonly reported among us today. No, friend, you and I have been brought, if you love the Savior, if you put your trust in him, you have been brought into a position, into a relationship with God that no one else has. You've been accepted in all that our precious Savior is before God. It's high time we Christians appreciated the marvelous grace of God, not only in saving us, wonderful though that may be, not only in the fact that we have life eternal, but in our union with him and his purpose and his counsel. This is what God loves to do, to bring you and me into the very counsel chamber of God and reveal to us what he's doing, what he will yet do, why, you say, Mr. Mitchell, is that in the Bible? Of course it is. That's what the Bible is, the revelation of his purposes, of his counsel, of his plan. Why don't, why don't we all know it? Because you don't, you're not open to it. You're not open to it. This means you've got to give some time to the Word of God. You've got to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of God. And as we grow, our capacity increases, then we come to know more and more of what he has for us. 
So we have this, the third thing in the Son. He's made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. The time's going to come when God is going to gather everything in the universe, put it under his Son, where every created intelligence will acknowledge, not only in heaven, not only on earth, but in hell, every created intelligence, angels, men, demons, principalities, powers, will all acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That does not mean they're saved. Don't misunderstand me. I don't, I'm not teaching universalism. But every created intelligence will, will confess, will recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now we have the fourth thing about the Son. That's in verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom we have obtained an inheritance. <laughs> Not only partners with God in his purpose, in his plan, in his will, but partners with God in the inheritance. You remember 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 says, we have an inheritance which is incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away and is reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto a salvation yet to be revealed at the last time. He, he preserves, shall I say, he keeps the inheritance for us in verse 4 and he keeps us for the inheritance in verse 5. You talk about God's program. God is not leaving anything to chance. He's not even leaving anything to you except to enjoy him, believe him. I repeat what I said in the very introduction of this book of Ephesians. The salvation we have starts in God, is continued by God, is going to be completed by God. Whatever he purposes, my friend, it's going to stand. Let's get this thing very, very clear in your mind. He's going to work all things out after the counsel of his own will. I repeat that passage in 1 Peter chapter 1. We have an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, and it's reserved in heaven. God is keeping the inheritance for us. Then he goes on to say, for who? For those who are kept by the power of God through faith unto a salvation yet to be revealed. That's the completion of our salvation, by the way. I repeat it, he keeps the inheritance for us, and he keeps us for the inheritance. You know, I'm so glad, allow me to say this, I'm so glad the Lord is keeping the inheritance, because if you and I could get our hands on it, we'd ruin it, wouldn't we? Huh? We'd ruin it. So to make the thing sure, he keeps the inheritance for us, keeps us for the inheritance. When he gets through with us, we're going to be conformed to the image of his Son, and my, we'll have the capacity then to enjoy to the full the inheritance we have in Christ Jesus. You remember Romans eight seventeen says also, and if we're children of God, then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Just think of it. Think of it. The heirs 
of God's inheritance. Heirs with all that God has. Now, aren't you going too far? No, I'm just telling you what God says. I believe what God says. We're joint heirs with Christ. Well, what does Christ have? So I go to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, and what do I find? Jesus Christ is the heir of all things. He owns everything. Do you remember in Matthew 28 again, verse 18, Jesus said, All authority is mine. Where? In heaven and in earth. You know, people today say, Okay, let the Savior have his inheritance in heaven, but leave the earth to us. Now I'll tell you to those of you who love the Savior, the inheritance not only includes all the heavens, it includes the earth too. And believe me when I tell you, my friend, the earth is a little wee speck of dust in the universe, comparatively speaking. This earth is only, only 8,000 miles in diameter. And when you think of Jupiter, I think it's 800,000 miles in diameter. And one could go on, take some of the great stars of magnitude in the heavens. The earth is only a little wee speck compared to them. It all belongs to my Savior, and I'm an heir with him. I'm a joint heir with him. Oh, Christian friend, I repeat it, we're rich. And we live like paupers. May God put into your heart, into my heart, a consuming passion for the Son of God and a tremendous hunger to know the will of God and the purpose of God not only for the future, but for the present also. But this must come as we spend time, take time, discipline ourselves to read and get into the Word of God. We have an inheritance. It's a present possession. It's an eternal possession. It's a preserved inheritance. It's a sure inheritance. And we're going to have all eternity to enjoy it. And this was determined by the will of and purpose of a sovereign God. Hence, it's guaranteed, which you have here in verse 11, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. He works everything out after the counsel of his own will. And he takes care of all the detail. Did not our Lord say, the very hairs of your head are numbered? Did Job not write, he numbers our steps? Did not David write, he bottles our tears? He cares for you. If he cares for the grass of the field and the birds of the air, the lilies of the field, will he not take care of his children? Will he not take care of that which he has purchased with his own blood? Because we are his purchased possession. He bought us for himself and then shares with us his eternal inheritance. Oh, Christian friend, Christian friend, why don't we get down to business and learn about our God? Why don't we take the time to know about our Savior? Why don't we fall in love with him and then let him use your life and my life, your body and my body, all that we are and have, to his eternal glory. 
Why don't we? Why don't we? Because our vision is so restricted, so small. May God open our eyes to the marvels of the inheritance we have in Christ. And he does it after the counsel of his own will. I know Christians very often quote that verse in Romans 8, 29. Do you remember it? All things work together for good to those who love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose. Then he follows that with, everybody stops there. Why don't you follow on to verse 29, verse 30? Who be called, he justified. Who be justified, then he also glorified. What are you going to say to these things? What can you say? What can you say? If God already sees us glorified in his own purpose and counsel, that's going to happen. That's what's going to take place. Let me read you a verse from the Old Testament. May I? Oh, that your eyes and your vision of God may be increased. Listen to this. This is the Old Testament. There's other passages one could read. But let me read you a couple of three verses from Isaiah 14. Verse 24. The Lord of hosts has sworn, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. As I have purposed, so shall it stand. Verse 27. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? His hand is stretched out. Who shall turn it back? Now I know he's talking to Israel. I know he's saying to Ahaz, the king, that God was sovereign. He wants that king to know that God has authority over all the nations of the earth, even over the Assyrians, the great enemies of Israel. Even the Assyrians could not touch Israel without God's permission. Don't you for one moment think that God, listen to me, don't think that God is not on the throne, even today. When we see this international condition, when we see the, the nations of the earth not knowing which way to turn, they're all in confusion. There's a cry for a leader, for a man big enough to solve the problems. Even in America, we need a big man to solve the problems of America. But this is typical of the whole, the whole world today. But does that mean that God has lost control? By no means, by no means, by no means. God is on the throne working all things out after the counsel of his own will. Now he's talking about his people, that's true, in this connection. We have an inheritance, we're redeemed, we're forgiven. He's brought us into his purposes, into his counsels, to his knowledge, to his wisdom. And he's given us an inheritance. He's going to take care of that inheritance. I say, God is still on the throne, working everything out, every detail out, according to the counsel of his own will. I'm reminded again of that passage in in the book of Daniel, chapter 4, where the Most High ruleth over the affairs of men. He, he setteth up kings and putteth down kings. He doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. And nobody can say to God, what are you doing? What are you doing? The marvel, the marvel of it all is that he's called you and me, Christian friend, 
He's called you and me to share with him in his purposes and his counsel so that we can know something of what God is doing. One only needs to read the word of God to realize what the prophets declared, that the Bible is a complete revelation of the program and purpose of God for this world. And in this Bible is what God's going to do in the future. And my friend, we see this. And it's because we see this, we're so, so burdened that God's people might know their place, their relationship to the Savior and their responsibility. Remember that love always carries a responsibility. The Lord's love for us manifested his responsibility to save sinners. And he's made the provision to save sinners. For God in his love made the provision for sinners to be saved. But by the same token, if I claim to love God, that's going to call for sacrifice too. Love, love always, always brings a responsibility. Why are our homes being broken up even among God's people? Because we've never taken our responsibilities. Love always, always carries a responsibility for the object of your love. Because of the object of your love. And if you say you love the Savior, then you're going to walk in fellowship with him and do what he wants you to do. You carry a responsibility. That's why Jesus said in John 17, verse 18, Father, as you have sent me into the world, I send them into the world. I came into the world on a mission. I finished my job. I'm sending them into the world on a mission. Are you going to finish it? Are you going to finish your mission? Your responsibility before God. What I'm trying to get to your heart is, in the book of Ephesians, there's a revelation of what the Father does for his people and what the Lord Jesus does for his people. He redeems them. He forgives them of every sin and trespass. He brings them into fellowship with him in his own purpose and counsel for the world, for the church, for the nations, for Israel, and so on. And he's given us an inheritance as I said a while ago, he keeps us for the inheritance. He keeps the inheritance for us. God works all things out after the counsel of his own will. Why? Verse 12 is the reason that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, that we should be to the praise of his glory. This is the reason for it all. We should be to the praise of the glory of God. Forgiveness according to the riches of his grace. Yes, that's the cross. That's his first coming. But we should be to the praise of his glory. That's when he comes again, the completion of his purpose at his return. Just like you have in Colossians 3, 4, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. The ultimate purpose of all redemption, the ultimate purpose of the redemption of a race is the glory of God. You remember we had that in John 17. John 17, which declares, Father, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. In other words, the whole purpose of redemption is the glorification of God. Why did God make man in the first place? We were made for the glory of God. Sin ruined that picture. Is God thwarted? Not a bit of it. Not a bit of it. God isn't thwarted. God is working all things out after the counsel of his own will. 
and there's going to be a great multitude of people going to sing unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. For thou hast redeemed us by thy blood out of every nation, kindred, tongue, and tribe. Everything, everything for the glory of God. And the marvel of it is we're going to share with him in his inheritance and in that wonderful time in the perfection of his purpose through eternity. Oh, who wouldn't be a Christian? Who wouldn't love the Savior? Friend, let me plead with your heart to love him. To love him, friend. To love him is to serve him. The Lord bless you today for his name's sake. There's no other friend so Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. Our teacher has been Dr. John G. Mitchell. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.